Hello, and welcome to this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. I'm your host, Chris Swain, here with Robbie Gallaty, the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church, founder and president of Replicate Ministries. All right, we're here with a special guest today, a good friend of mine, J.D. Greer, who is the pastor of The Summit uh, in North Carolina, but also the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. And I'm sure you've uh, had a busy year so far. Tell, tell us about the year so far. Has it been busy? Well, well, it's been an eventful year thus far. Let's just let's say that. Yeah, I think at the beginning, you know, it was kind of like I, I sort of joked. I mean, I hope that you hear it as a joke, but, you know, it's kind of like the proverbial dog that caught the bus. You know, you're like, now what? You know, so but I mean, there was a reason we felt like, you know, God at least led me and our um, the team I represent to, to do this. So, you know, as we just kind of think about moving the needle on evangelism, hopefully missions, uh, more inclusiveness in, in terms of diversity and leadership. And then just, man, I mean, God's given us a great convention of churches. I, I, I think since becoming president, I've realized that. I mean, we're not perfect. And, man, if it weren't for the grace of God, we'd, you know, where would any of us stand? But there's just, I mean, there's a lot of things that God has built into the SPC that I'm grateful for. And it's, it's an honor to be able to steward. Man, I'm glad you're in the job or in a position in that job, and uh, I've been seeing nothing but great things. A lot of emails, a lot of uh, a lot That's of good true. blog posts and statements. A lot more people are angry at me. I've figured that out. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. And not even people in the SBC. Just yeah. anytime anybody's got anything that they don't like about something that relates to Christianity, like I'm gonna send it to the president of the SBC. And he's gonna take care you. of that. Well, it's your fault. You know, it's got to be your fault. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me ask you a couple questions. Uh, we have a podcast about discipleship, disciple making, and really some practical ways to help people do it in their church context. But more than that, just really an awareness of discipleship so people can get excited uh, and, and really get on board with it. So let's start with, with, with your church, The Summit. Tell us, you guys have a robust church planning strategy, which really starts really way back with a pipeline for disciple making. I mean, you've got to have the disciples who make disciples where you can send them out. Tell us what what does disciple making look like at the summit? Yeah, well, first of all, let me just I know um, you didn't bring me out here to say this, but we have been just like I mean, I feel like the ministries of replicate have been invaluable and in given us some practical tools for that. And we've been challenged and equipped. Uh, and so it's it's an honor to be a part of it and, and especially to be a guest here. But, you know, at first, um, you know, I think Christians tend to be really good professional Christians at mobilizing other Christians um, and not as good at, you know, kind of starting with the harvest and equipping them to become the the leaders and teachers. And we recognize as, uh, that as a real deficiency because we are I mean, I think everybody should know this. We're located about 30 ish minutes from a seminary, um, mm-hmm. which means that we have a, a fair amount of people that come in that are you know already kind of pre-called and pre you know, pre-motivated. Um, and some of our church planning was there, but um, recently um, it's been a lot of the people that were seen reached. And then how do you equip them to go from, which sometimes we equip from atheist to church planner. <laughs> um, I, you know, I think by God's grace, um, he's given us some success in it in terms of, um, you know, like I, I interviewed um, some interns who were coming on to, um, they were just graduated from college and they were going into various internships at the Summit Church. And of the 14 that I was interviewing that had already, you know, gotten the job. I, one of the questions was where they came to faith in Christ. And it was 12 out of the four that come to Christ at the summit in college. Wow. I'm like, okay, now here they're in the in ministry. Uh, present some new challenges because sometimes you think you're on the same page with something and you're not on the same page. You're like, well, wait a minute, you know, where do we overlook this? But I, you know, I think Kevin Ezell always says that if we would do disciple making right, church planning would take care of itself. Mm, um, good, if, yeah. you know, and, and even, 
with the SBC and um, other, I, I want to be careful here, but I was involved in another church planning organization um, for a while. And um, I've been involved in several different groups. And I remember um, a common theme was, you know, we're looking for for qualified church planners. And I remember just having this moment of realization. And one, I was like, man, this is one of the most well-known church planning organizations in the world. And they're looking at how to attract church planners from other places. Mm. And I'm like, why aren't we raising up our church planners from within the harvest? Wow. And I think, you know, it's it's like if there's if there's a point A and a point B. Or, or like a step A and step B. Step A has got to be disciple making, and then step B will become a lot more natural. A lot of pastors are thinking about how to send. And you're like, well, you gotta, you gotta equip the people to send. So, boy, that's so good. It's, it's and, and, and listen, here's what's cool. Literally, I was, I just saw on Twitter, you guys just launched out another church plant like this weekend. Is that right? What number right. is that? Yep. What number w- w- is that? Uh, Do you know? Let's see, Robbie. I think that's thirty. I think it's right in the low 30s for domestic and then another 150 or so international. International is a little bit more difficult to count, but um, yeah. 30th or so domestic one. Unbelievable, man. Thank you guys for doing that. That really, you you guys have really been the model for us, even that long hollow to look to. And so thank you for doing well, that's that. Fine. Well, you know, one of the things we do is we try to build that kind of sending thing into the very earliest stages of discipleship. I mean, because mm-hmm. really discipleship is equipment, equipping for the Great Commission, the call to the call to be sent and the call to follow Jesus are essentially one and the same. Follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. So we try to put that into the DNA of, I mean, it's everything from, um, let's see, like our, our kids ministry. We always uh, built, we build our, our kids ministries here. Like, um, like it's an airplane hanger and we do a parent commissioning. And at the parent commissioning, we will, um, have the parents covenant that when their kid graduates from college, that they're going to have an open-handed approach to, letting them go out wherever God tells them to go. Um, You know, we end every service at the Summit Church with you are sent. We do our our, our baptism confession is basically I am agreeing to go wherever God tells me to go. Um, So it's small groups. You know, instead of like dividing small groups, um, we try to get small groups to plant other small groups the same way that a church plants another church. So that when we get to the church planting language, it's something that's so familiar to people that it's just it seems natural. So that replicative mindset just kind of infused into the DNA at every level. That's so cool. That's right. Yeah, I mean, because it really discipleship. I mean, uh, and you've talked about this a lot. Um, discipleship that's aimed at just kind of like holy sanctification or or better education is not real discipleship. Discipleship from the it's not like you know your one hundred one through one hundred three discipleship is all content and you know, maturity. And then 401, now you're ready to replicate. <laughs> right. I right. mean, there really is a little bit of replicate that is at, at literally every stage. I mean, you know, Jesus and in, in the gospels is like, you know, Hey, you just met me, go home and tell your friends how great things God has done for you. Yeah. You know, well, so you said, you said it too, with Mark one, I mean, Jesus, like at the beginning of the call of Peter, Andrew, James, and John, he said, come follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. So he plants this seed of replication right at the beginning. He's like, you guys right. think the Christian life's about you. It's not even about you. It's about the guys you're going to reach as you pass on. Let me, right. let, let's let's shift gears here. Let me ask you a question about our disciple making task force report. You heard it. Uh, spent two years, surveyed all of the churches in the Southern Baptist. Oh, yeah, I, I was that, part of it, by the way. I was on that. I yeah. was on that task force. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, uh, we, we basically surveyed over two. I said all the church. We surveyed a bunch of different churches. Large churches, small churches, uh, ethnically diverse churches, ethnically diverse, 
uh, rural churches. And diverse. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. and ethically. <laughs> By the way, I, I, maybe give a correction. I'm sorry. I, I was on the evangelism task force, but I'm realizing now you're talking about something different. Yeah, no, so. you're on the evangelism. Let me ask you about the disciple-making task force, okay? Gotcha. Yep, so, so, so here's the question. What we found out was we surveyed churches over the course of 20 years. We did a study. Uh, 20 years ago in 1996, we had 5,224,000 people who were in weekly attendance in the Southern Baptist Convention. Now, we didn't take membership because you and I both know the FBI couldn't find half of those people. Okay, so we took 5,224,000 people. We charted how many people were baptized over the next 20 years in the convention, a whopping 7.1 million people. Crazy. Now, if we take so if we add all those people, we'd be at 12 million weekly attendance. 12 million is kind of kind of a big number. So let's just say let's just say we're going to be conservative. Let's say we had five million people. So you would think in 20 years our convention would have grown just from the people we get to about five million. Some people say, well, what about the mortality rate? Okay, six point something million people total. But let's just say conservatively, five million people. When we looked at the numbers, J.D., after 20 years baptizing 7.1 million people, we didn't grow. We actually lost people. The number went from 5,224,000 to 5,200,000. So we actually, and this is staggering, we baptized 7.1 and lost 24,000 people. So my, my challenge to the convention when I gave this report was, We have to do something more. And I think we alluded to it earlier, but it's more than just getting someone to say a prayer. It's more than just getting someone to walk an aisle. It's more than just making converts and decisions and Christians. What can we do? I mean, just just thinking about this, what can we do as a convention, you think, practically, like going forward so we don't lose 7.1 million over the next 20 years? Yeah, uh, well, I, I'll say two things. One, I don't think we would disagree on this, but if we do, I mean, it might make for an interesting conversation. I, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't ever want to use that to discourage people from the aggressive approaches to evangelism and, and baptism, as if to say, "Hey, we tried that; it didn't work, so let's try something else." I think it's like, well, thank God for those seven point one million, and you almost could do a study of like, what's the recidivism rate of. How many baptisms do you have to do to to make a real disciple? I realize theologically, I just cringe when I said that, but I I think that's sort of the nature, even in the New Testament of, you you know, you have harvest evangelism and then you have, you know, sometimes the gap between the people who are following Jesus at the beginning of John 6 and those who are following at the end are not the same, you know, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't use that to just club ourselves. You know, I'd be like, man, keep baptizing, keep doing that. But what the, 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 the other part of the answer I give is, is. Yeah. Having said that, um, there there obviously is, um, you know, I mean, you, what was John Wesley's thing where he always said, like, you've got to commit equal resources to the follow up and the discipleship that you do to the initial evangelism. And you can't look at your job as done. I mean, we famously, uh, you know, George Bush has that gaffe where he shows up on the aircraft carrier after they, you know, whatever, you know, Iraq's thing that was his mission accomplished. And the criticism was. And that was actually just the beginning. Yeah, right. I, mean, I think you see somebody go into the water and they come up. You're like, that's, that's not mission accomplished. That's, that, you know, that's that's the first step. And, um, you know, I think for us, it's been hard because we are a very aggressive evangelism thing. And I, I bet you if you did a study, we haven't done it. But if you did a study on all the people that have been baptized at the Summit Church in the last five years, it would not be 100 percent of those people. Or now. Us either. Us yeah. either for the record. We did that internal study here. Exactly. So, but but I will say that I've had to make some hard decisions, as I'm sure you have, of when you get down to the brass tacks, 
I've got another, let's say another $10,000 to spend this year in the budget. Am I going to spend that $10,000 on something that would just get me five more baptisms? Or am I going to spend it on something that would help disciple? And I realize it's terrible to think like that because it feels like I'm treading on the sovereignty of God there. But but I think we have to make, you know, a healthy ministry is a ministry that is going to grow deep and wide at the same time. Mm-hmm. Because width without depth is not really width. It's mm. just it's just kind of like it's it's like a, um, Tom Elf used to describe it like launching a, a stick of dynamite up in the air it, where it goes off. And he's like, you know. It's in one sense, it was very successful because everybody from five miles around heard it. But three minutes after it went off, there's no evidence at all that it ever happened. He's like, that's kind of what some of these churches like. Come on. He's like, you <laughs> take the same stick of dynamite and you burrow it into the ground in the side of a mountain and it won't make nearly as lot of a bang. But now you have a hole where previously you had a mountain. And I think, you know, for us, we've got to say I've got to be willing to dedicate some of my resources to the hard work that doesn't produce the flashiest numbers but produces genuine disciples. Let me tell you why this is really personal to me. Um, my parents um, moved to Winston-Salem, North Carolina in 1975. I was two years old. Mm-hmm. And um, they heard, they were kind of cultural Christians, and they heard about this incredible you know, um, church that was growing real fast. And my, um, you know, so they went, and my parents were, I mean, just saved through, a, through, a, through just a guy who could preach the paint off the walls. Wow. And because this church was committed to discipleship, I mean, they really, I mean, they took my dad under his, the pastor, the pastor personally took my dad under his wing and they got really involved in stuff and they discipled my parents. And mm-hmm. because of that, they didn't just pass out the back door because of that. They became spiritual leaders who taught me pretty much everything about Christianity that I know. And wow. we just went to this pastor's funeral. My dad and I um, traveled down um, just not long ago. And my dad said, he said, you know, I'm driving down this funeral. I cannot remember a single sermon he preached that first year that we came to faith in Christ. But what I do remember was hearing him share Christ with somebody at the grocery store. And I remember hearing him pray. Mm. He said his just praying with him um, did more to disciple me than anything that he ever taught from the pulpit. And he said, you know, he didn't say this. This is what we say at the summit church now, but the statement we always use is, you know, 75% of discipleship is informal. It's it's you know twenty five percent program, but seventy five percent of it's just life on life. That's good, and that's I'm the product of that, so I I have to believe in it. Well, and you know it makes me think of a, a line we use here a lot is there's no impact without contact, and so huh. man, man, you can you can programize and you can lecture student style training, but man, it's that intimate relationship, and, and Jesus did that. I mean, Jesus did two things: he expected the disciples to do certain things because he emulated it in his own life, so they right. had a visible. I tell people when God wanted to send the world an example of what discipleship looks like, he didn't give them a manual of systematic theology. He sent a man. Right. <laughs> he said, follow, follow this man. Right. Uh, yep. So let, let me ask you one more question. And that's that's really good uh, for us to think about personally. But let me ask you one question as we close. And I think this is just to kind of hear your heart for the convention. So now uh, you're the president of the largest uh, gathering of churches, the largest denomination of churches. Uh, 46,000 churches now. I mean, you, you have uh, input and direction to give. How can we move our convention to be more discipleship oriented, disciple making oriented when it comes to personally, maybe in their personal lives, locally, maybe in their congregations or even globally? Like you said, it has to move beyond the four walls of the church globally, missionally. What, what would you say? Maybe kind of some things you're praying through or just leading us to do as a convention? Yeah, no, I appreciate you asking that. Well, I mean, I, I think the first thing that come to mind is, 
just the the local church focus of everything. I think um, I think you make a mistake in the denomination when we try to figure out how whether it's on the state convention level or the national level um, or even the association level that we're going to lead in evangelism. God's plan A is the local church. So what I'm, you know, really kind of have been praying about and working. I've actually got a meeting coming out with a lot of state convention guys is to say, um, well, one of the things we know should be common for all evangelism is that every single Southern Baptist church going person um, should look at it as their responsibility. And we, the way we express it as a church is we challenge them. Who is your one? Who is that at least one person that you're praying for, sharing Christ with? And so that's going to kind of be – I want that to sort of be a unifying thing and then say to churches, you need to figure out exactly what it looks like to you know, work with your people in bringing their one to faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. State conventions need to figure out how to galvanize churches rather than kind of come up with here's the new grand system. We've had plenty of those you know, over yeah. the last – and they need to be local church-driven, and they need to be done to partner with the individual Southern Baptist members. Um, churches really don't do evangelism, and conventions definitely don't do it. Individual Christians do it, and the church is the servant of the Christian, and the convention is the servant of the church. And so as the president, I'm the servant of the convention who's the servant of the church who's the servant of the Christian. So you know, return that to really the, you know, that focus and um, of the individual doing it, and then give you – know, pastors are leaders. That's why they became pastors. And so let them, you know, kind of envision what's the best fit for our community. And there are certain communities where they're going to they're going to think a big evangelistic rally is going to do it. Others are going to say that's not going to work here, but they're going to you know do something else and, and, and let them lead. I think, um, you know, when is that being the tip of the spear? Um, I've also talked a lot with Kevin and um, I know the IMB is sort of in transition right now. But um, Edgar is let's just I mean, David Platt and Edgar over the IMB to say, what is the way that we can make? Um, church planting domestic and internationally painfully easy for churches that are just at various stages. You know, churches like Long Hollow and, and Summit, man, we might be ready to and we are ready to kind of take on the whole kit and caboodle of planting a church. Mm. But there are other churches like I don't, I don't even know where to start. I told Kevin he's ailing and they're doing it. Um, it was like, you know, you know, how like when you go on Amazon to buy something before, you know what you're doing, it's on its way to your house. You're like, whoa, what just happened? You know, it's yeah, like yeah, it just, yeah. your fortress just left. That's good. Um, I kind of want it to be like the convention to be that way for churches where it's just like, man, you reach out and they're willing to meet you where you are to say, OK, you might be at stage one. And so here's the next three steps. And here's how you can band together with three other churches to, to partner with. Or, or it may be like, let's let's challenge you to do it yourself. But whatever it is, let's just make it easy where every church says all of our members are reaching people and um, we're partnering with them in that. And then we're all planting domestic and internationally. So that's kind of what's on my heart. It's what I'm what I'm working on pretty much right after this. You and I get done talking. Yeah, well, listen, it's so refreshing to hear that because here, here's the thing. And we'll close with two things. One, one thing is, and I've always believed this, when people don't know what to do, they don't do anything at all. And it's not that they don't want to do something. It's just that they don't know what to do. So, man, it's so good to, to give them kind of a track to run on. And two is, I would say, man, thanks for emphasizing evangelism because the disciple making process has to be both evangelism and discipleship. One without the other. Right. It's like one oar in a boat. We're just going to keep going in circles. And so when I tell people and, and this is people say, well, what did you learn from the disciple making task force? And I say one thing. Baptism has to be the finish line 
not the starting line. And if we just, I think, J.D., just change that mentality, because baptism is still important. I mean, there's this front end, you know, leading someone to Christ, crossing the threshold of the faith. But that doesn't end the hard work. That's the beginning of the hard work. So wait, wait, so actually, I think you said it backwards. What you were trying to say is baptism is the starting point. Yeah. The, baptism the is the starting line. Yeah. Thank you, J.D. So, yeah. Baptism so, is the finish line. Not the, yeah. I mean, the baptism are, is the starting line. Not the finish line. Everything we yeah. just said. Yeah, exactly. I just negated everything. Well, so much for the podcast, though. No, <laughs> no yeah, but, baptism so, is, is exclusion. There are multiple ways to heaven. So yes. <laughs> just say a prayer and we'll see you there. Yeah, no, man. Listen, thanks so much, man. I know you're busy. It's been a joy to be with you as always. I'm praying for you uh, and just thank the Lord for how he's using you. Man, well, we admire we admire Long Hollow and I'm grateful for Replicate. So, man, I'm looking forward to the leadership you're going to be giving to our convention in the days to come, too. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty. If you don't mind, take a moment to subscribe and share the podcast. You can find out more about disciple making, resources related to disciple making, and our customized training on our website at replicate.org.